With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the Sadigan Network. I'm Tyler Lawrence. With me is my co-host, Zach Alfer. Zach, how's this hangover you're feeling right now from the <laughs> game against the Texans? Well, yeah, the Texans game, the COVID hangover, all of that. I'm just so emotionally drained from this last week. It's it, I, I, I can't even really put into words how frustrated I am with what we just saw. You know, like... There's a reason we have to play all 17 games this season, right? Because if it was predicated on the more talented team, well, we would know at the beginning of the year. Um, it, it just so frustrating when you're that much more talented. Um, I, I, I guess we just didn't come to play on Sunday. Uh, credit to the Texans. They wanted that football game more. And listening to you know Austin Eckler in his press conference, he goes and says, I was just talking to guys. Um, they just kind of played like they were dead out there. And that was kind of the energy I saw from our guys. They didn't look like they wanted to be on the football field. And credit to the Houston Texans, they punched us in the mouth and uh, well-deserved for their fourth win of the season. Jeez. Well-deserved, and they've played good teams hard. They have. They have. Uh, No excuse, though. I mean, when Rex Burkhead, who – I mean, Rex Burkett only had like 200 yards rushing for the year coming into 207 this through the first 13 games. Yeah. And he goes for 149 yards and two touchdowns. Like your elite running backs aren't, aren't putting down anything like that. And for Rex Burkett, who's just been a goal line back most of his career to, yeah. to really just break out like he's like Ladanian Tomlinson or something like that. 150 yards. I mean, come on. Yeah, only the third time this whole season Houston as a team has ran for over 100 yards. And we let one guy against our Swiss cheese unit that we want to call a defense right now. I don't even think we should be calling it a defense right now. It is so atrocious. And I get it. We have players on COVID. They had players on COVID. So it's not even it's not even they had an excuse. two starting linemen. They had two starting linemen out. And we're running down our throats consistently. Like, we, we couldn't do anything against the run. And it just, you, what it ultimately tells me is the depth of this team, right? Yeah. That's, it, there's no 
better view about our depth for this team than looking at this Houston game. And it's not like we didn't have some of our starters out there. Linval Joseph was out there. Jerry Tillery mm-hmm. was out there. Kaiser and from White a numbers was out standpoint, there. we had more starters starting than they did. We had more number wise. I, I know that Michael Davis was out. We got Asante Samuel back. And then anything behind Asante Samuel was just absolutely atrocious in the passing game. Aloe well, Gilman struggled. Nasir struggled. And then I think it was even, not a good game. I think even Asante Samuel didn't have his best game. I think he's a little, he looked a little picked on and I didn't really like the, the play I saw from him for the most part. I thought he was getting exposed pretty routinely in that game. I mean, we had most of our starting defensive line out on the field. Our best defensive lineman in the game was Braden Fajoko. Braden Fajoko played phenomenal, but anybody outside of that was just atrocious. And it just, it's embarrassing when you have a really, really bad run offense explode against you. And it just goes to show just how bad the Chargers run defense is at its worst. It, at its best. At its best, yeah, it is atrocious. Well, I'm glad you brought up Fahoko because I'm really concerned about our quality of capable run defenders that we have on this roster that we're just simply not giving playing time to. Like Fahoko, he has been one of our best defenders against the run all year long, but we're not giving him opportunities to make plays. Against the Texans, he was second on the team with four run stops, and he only played 21 snaps in that game. Four run stops by an interior defensive lineman, if that sounds like a lot, it is. In week 15, Fahoko's four run stops are tied with Aaron Donald for the most by any interior defender in the NFL, and he did that with half the snaps. Why are we not giving this guy more opportunities. Forrest Merrill, also a guy that we just refused to play, uh, been a great run defender all through preseason, uh, all through training camp. We're just not giving him opportunities. And I think this is now my biggest knock against the Staley and this new staff is this their adamant refusal to not mess around with their personnel groupings. And just this commitment to, I'm going to call them quote unquote, Staley's guys, I think is absolutely ridiculous. Like at some point you need to play to the strengths of your current roster, you know, not the roster that you envision for next year, not rosters that you played coached for in the past. You know, these are your guys right now and it's what we're working with. So I think, you know, and Staley said it best in his press conference, he's not putting his players in good enough situations to make plays. And that falls on him a hundred percent. I mean, when you look at it, he's not just the head coach. He's the defensive coordinator. He ultimately is calling all of the defense, and he's a defensive-minded coach. That's why he was hired. That's what the big draw was to him. He had the number one rated defense with the Rams last season, and he is solely responsible for this terrible run defense that the Chargers have, and we're getting we're getting good play from some of those backup backups, the Braden Fajoko, a Forrest Merrill has been very, very limited, barely he just hasn't had a shot. Like my, my point is at one, at some point we should be moving away. Why is Tillery getting twice the amount of snaps as Fajoko when he's 25% as effective? That d- doesn't make sense to me. And we have bodies that we could go to. We're just refusing to even try anything different. And it's just like that, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over wanting different results. And like, that's what we're doing. Like, this is insane to me. Let's make some moves up front or something. 
Jerry Tillery's been absolutely atrocious against the run all season, but he <laughs> I just wanted to has, trigger you. you no, know, but he has been effective at getting after the passer. He he really has. He so why are yeah. we not putting him in and on obvious passing downs? You know the the third and longs, the the even the second and longs, right? Why, why if it's not why not working, at least just try to tweak? Just try. If yeah, it doesn't if work, not resort working, back. If it's not working adjust that's what? that's what your job is as a, a coach yeah. as the head coach is you make adjustments to your roster and if you see a glaring weakness and everybody sees it because everybody's using it against us if you see a glaring weakness try something else until something else works right if we are 10 yeah. percent better against the run we're still atrocious we're still bad but that's that's a significant increase when you're the the worst run defense in the league and I, I know mean, we're yeah. we're fumbling with that a little bit, right? We're, you know, 29th, 31st, 32nd, back to 28th. We are a bottom feeder run defense. And it's it's terrible because we're not making any adjustments to fix it. Play no. a play a deeper box. And Staley loves to put five defensive linemen on the defensive line, but that's creating rushing lanes. It's creating rushing lanes because one player doesn't doesn't do his job, and you have no second level of the defense there at all. And granted, Kaiser White has been playing phenomenal in the role that he's been playing in, but I think some of it is just him having to do so much cleanup, so much, yeah. you know. And he's always there because he's the only man at that level to make that tackle. I, I think Kaiser White's playing phenomenal. I don't want to take anything away from Kaiser White. No, but I but, understand what you're saying. But is Kaiser White really that good, or is he just in position all the time to look good because he's making up for some other defender's mistakes? Are his stats padded a little bit? I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly asking. Are his stats possibly padded a little bit because of the scheme of the defense and the position that he's playing in and is it making him look better than he actually is? And I think Kaiser White's a phenomenal player. I want to re-sign him. I think he's deserving a pretty big contract this coming off season. But are his stats padded a little bit because of the scheme of this defense? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe slightly, um, slightly. But I, I think the level of play we're seeing from Kaiser White when he makes plays behind the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage. I think that's the real Kaiser white. Maybe he is getting an extra tackle to a game because he's cleaning up messes. But I think for the most part, I'd say I'd give 90% of Kaiser white production to the player. He's definitely shining. He's definitely worth every penny of whatever dollar amount he's going to make next season. But it's just concerning because yeah, I, I don't want Kaiser White to look as good as he is because I want our defensive line making those plays. Sure. I don't want it to getting up to that level, right? And like he is playing phenomenal, but he's playing cleanup as well. Yeah, he's often the unblocked man, which is why I thought Kenneth Murray was going to have a such a great year this season because I thought he was going to be our number one linebacker, but he was a liability as well. I want. I want Kaiser White to be more quiet because our defensive line is not sure. getting to him. Well, right, right. Well, and if you just think about the level of talent on this team, not, nothing against Kaiser White, but he should be the number four or five player on this defense. Right now he's the number two impact player 
uh, maybe three behind Bosa and Derwin, but he shouldn't be that high up on the list given the talent that we have on the other areas of the roster. We should be getting more production from the D line and the D tackles. And so, so I, I understand the argument, but yeah, he needs some help. Uh, he can't do it all himself. And right now he's, he's not been getting a whole lot of help from the rest of the guys out there. And it also just the whole issues with the defensive line, it really doesn't make sense to me when you look at those spots, right? When you look at Joey Bosa on one side as the premier pass rusher in the NFL, a top five player at his position, uh, the highest paid defensive player in the NFL, right? You look at Linval Joseph, who's been a phenomenal nose tackle his entire career. He was a first round draft pick. Granted, he is, you know, 32, 33 years old, but he's still playing at a really high level. You look at both of the, the I'll call them defensive end spots that play, you know, our, our, our three-tech defensive tackles. You look at uh, Linval, um, Justin Jones. Justin Jones is a third-round draft pick. He's in a contract year. He's actually playing at a really high level. Jerry Tillery was a first-round draft pick. Uchenna Nwosu was a second-round draft pick. We have highly drafted players at those positions, who are going into their prime, everybody but Linval Joseph is, is hitting their prime. You know, this, you know, 24 to 26 is, is when players really start to hit their stride. And then you look at what we're getting in return for those players as a, as a unit. It doesn't make any sense why we are so bad along the defensive line. It makes none. When you have the talent, I feel like all five of those players are ultra talented, not playing up to par. Now, I, I think the own, the one thing I'll say in defense of Staley and this defense is over the offseason, we went 100% rebuild on the other side of the ball. And we needed to. You needed to do some both offense and defenses at, at last point. And at this point last year needed some work tremendously. And you could either have got marginally better in both or got significantly better in one and that's what we did with the offensive side of the ball now here's to hoping that another offseason uh, a draft that staley can go and say hey i want this guy in my system hopefully you get some personnel in there and we'll be able to adapt but just seeing the game-to-game progression doesn't make me that excited about it because it, it, it it's still he's it's staley's very very stuck in his ways. And I would like to see some adaptation to the defense just maybe from quarter to quarter, but like, especially next game, because we are just not playing against the run very well. And like you're saying, it doesn't make any sense given the talent we have at the, at that position. I mean, if you look at our off season, we have close to $80 million in cap space. I think we have 11 draft picks. You're going to have all of these players in the system another season, right? A lot of those issues we had early on last season, uh, early on at the beginning of the season with the the shift penalties, uh, <laughs> you know, not getting set, um, all of those things with another year under the same coaching staff should be cleaned up and be a little more refined going into next season. But why are we talking about, about like, we're still in this year. We're still yeah. in the playoff hunt. We need some help, and we had a great opportunity to play a, a much weaker, more marginalized offense and defense with the Houston Texans, and it just didn't make any sense 
that we dropped this game against a rookie quarterback, against a really dysfunctional organization, top to bottom. Their best player, Brandon Cooks, was out. Yeah, It just didn't make any sense that we struggled as much as we did. We did not get any pressure on Davis Mills whatsoever. It's, I think we it's generated just, three pressures total in that game. Three. Against a, a beat-up offensive line. line. Yeah. So I, I guess the only reason I'm bringing it up is to give him a little slack because he just doesn't have the personnel that the offense does. In the same breath, this is an offensive-based team, and I think the only reason we've had even minute success against the run is because our offense got out big. Like against the Steelers, against Cincinnati, we helped them to, you know, those big backs to kind of quiet games, but it's because they didn't have the volume of the Houston Texans. They didn't run enough. When they were running it, they were picking up five yards a carry, but they didn't get enough. So it looks like we played good against the defense or against the run. We didn't. Our offense just balled out. And so I guess that's my point. For us to win this year, we we need 30 points at least from our offense. And that's just because our defense, we know what they're going to do. They're going to give up a lot of yards on the ground. They're going to be very, very bad at third down. Are you Let's get to these numbers again. We were already the worst team on third down. And we let the Houston Texans convert, I want to say, nine for 13 on three, nine for 13. Yeah. So our worst three, three point defense, three, Ugh. our worst third down defense is going to get even worse after that performance. It, it, it's embarrassing. And, you know, I feel like the offense played very, very well overall. I know Justin Herbert had the two interceptions, but if you're putting up 29 points on any team, that's a recipe for winning. Like if, yeah. if you can keep teams down to three touchdowns and you can score four consistently every single week, that's a recipe for success in the NFL. And I think overall, the Chargers in every single game has not struggled really to put up points. But when you're allowing 41 points, it, not every game can be a track meet. Like we can't, we can't play that type of ball. We don't even have the the offensive playmakers. Granted, we have big play playmakers. Mike Williams is a big play playmaker. We got. Keenan Allen, who's one of the most dynamic third down targets in the entire NFL. Nobody uh, has more catches since 2017 than Keenan. And it's not, yeah. not even close. It's like, like 20 something more than the next guy. We have Austin Eckler, who's just dangerous with the ball in his hands, no matter the situation, whether it's a pass, whether it's a run, whether it's a screen, we don't have any home run threats though. We don't have mm. any Jalen Guyton has been largely irrelevant. I'd go as far to say that Jalen Guyton had a better season last season than he has this year. We don't have the personnel to just get into a track meet and just go. No. We have a team that can be very consistent, and I know we've struggled on third down on offense this season. We str- we've had some success getting to fourth down and converting those. But on third down, we, we've not been good. We're toward the back half of the league in third down conversions. But going 27 for 35 for 336 yards and the touchdown, Justin Herbert played fairly well considering he was missing Mike Williams, considering Jared Cook is, isn't is finishing his route, which is yeah. the cause of one of those interceptions. You yeah. know, he just stopped, turned around, and, and Justin Herbert was trying to hit him in stride coming across the, the – 
the uh, the slant. It just we're putting up the points on offense. We're doing everything we need to do on offense to win these games. The defense is the one that's ultimately letting us down. Yeah. Justin Jackson had 11 carries for 64 yards. That's perfectly fine. 5.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Huge fantasy day for him. Yeah. Well, I guess here's my – I think the biggest part about that game is we did have success moving the ball, but we didn't finish drives, and we didn't cap off. Anytime we needed a a go-to play, we need to have this play, we failed. And, and, and on the reverse side, Houston, when they needed to make a play, they made it. Out of those three we, – we had three turnovers – they converted all three of those into points. So, yes, Justin Herbert had a personal good day, but those two interceptions turned into 10 points. Justin Jackson, you mentioned the game on the ground. He had a career day with 98 yards receiving. That fumble was his most costly game. It was at the beginning of the fourth quarter when we were trying to surge back in. We handed the Houston Texans 17 points off of our three turnovers. We lost by 12 points in that game, and we gave 17 points to the Houston Texans who can't score the football. They came into the game averaging less than 15 points a game. Second worst to only the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was an awful offense that we handed 17 points to. So it, we had success in between drives, but we didn't finish. And just that that finishing mentality has, I think, lost us, uh, has left us since Baltimore. I think that loss has really taken a lot of, like the heart and soul of this team. Remember how buzzed we were at the beginning of the year? Like this energy is amazing. I haven't seen it since. And it's demoralizing because I was so excited for that. You know, we didn't punt a single time. Yeah. If we had the ball in our hands, we were either putting points on the board or we were putting it on the ground. We were moving the yeah. ball. If you think about it, we should have only had three punts the entire game because of those three turnovers shouldn't have happened. No, absolutely. And that's a totally different game. You're when you when you turn the ball over on offense, you're you're not gonna win games like that. That's that's how bad teams beat good teams, and you saw it today. Well, and yeah, negative three in the turnover battle. We didn't force any any on the other side. So that, what are you gonna do? Those are money off the board, and it's double it's double effective because it takes points off of the board scoreboard for us and hands points to a team that can't score Ugh. sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs i've ever worn if you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight sheath is for you the most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body you see their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture wicking technology they're super soft keep everything cool and comfortable and right in place sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Should we move on to the Broncos game? What else do we yeah, have to say about this nasty the, loss? Let's get on to the Broncos game. Uh, so the Chargers play the Broncos, who are 7-8 and eight, at home. 
It'll be on CBS at 1.05 p.m. This is the Chargers' final home game of the season. It's a lot on the line because if Chargers have any hopes to make the playoffs, they have to win this game, and they have to beat the Raiders in, in two weeks from now. Big game on the line. I know that we've got some injury that we're dealing with right now. Um, I know COVID-19 is still hitting us fairly hard. Uh, The Denver Broncos, not quite as much. Currently, this is as of today, uh, two hours ago, according to CBS, uh, Chargers have defensive back Devontae Harris, Dustin Hopkins, long snapper Matt Overton, Trey Pipkins, Michael Davis, Aloe Gilman, Chris Harris, Nasir Adderley, Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, Joe Gaziano, Joey Bosa, Tevin Campbell, Keeman Hall, whew, Corey Lindsley, <laughs> and Trey Marshall all on the COVID list. We are expecting to get Gaziano, Bosa, Campbell, Hall, Lindsley, and Trey Marshall back for this game. Everybody else pretty much up in the air. Yeah. Next man up, I mean – and it's been next man up all year. So it, it, here comes our season. It, it should have been last year to punch our ticket to the playoffs, we, but we still have two games left. We're still going to need some help, either Ravens dropping one or Dolphins dropping one. But you got to focus on what you can take care of. And that this week is the Denver Broncos. That's all they should be focused on. You can't worry about anybody else. You got to focus on the Denver Broncos. And right now, all I'm thinking about right now, if I'm the d- defense, is how are we going to stop Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon? It's definitely going to be. So Teddy Bridgewater is going to be out with the concussion. That means we got Drew Locke as your starting quarterback. Drew Locke ultimately has played very well against the Chargers. Uh, we also have Ronald Darby, who did not practice. Kareem Jackson did not practice. Stephen Weatherly did not practice. And Keith Kenny Young did not practice. Everybody else was a limited participant. You got Bradley Chubb, Melvin Gordon, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, Drew Locke, Shamar Steven, and Javante Williams. You got two running backs. They're two starting running backs who are very, very good. Uh, we already know everything we need to know about Melvin Gordon. We've already broken down Javante Williams. We've seen him break tackles all season, and we know that we've got this atrocious run defense. We know exactly what the Broncos, how they're going to play us. And we know what our weakness is. And I'm honestly, I'm expecting big days from both of them. And I'm a little concerned about this game because if we lose this game, I feel like we're out of playoffs. I, I don't think that there's any chance that we can still make playoffs losing this game because it ultimately just saps any little bit of momentum that we may yeah. have left for this season. And it's going to be so demoralizing if we lose this game. I'm looking at next week as the end of our season and the week after as the end of our season. Both of them have huge implications to the Chargers. Of the teams that are sitting outside the bubble and the Chargers no longer hold a playoff spot, everybody is saying that the Chargers' route back to the playoffs is the easiest of all the remaining teams. Well, yeah, let's let's hope so. I mean, but going to your point, you don't want to just stumble into the playoffs, especially with the field that we got this year you don't want to just stumble you don't want to loop this one slip away beat the raiders and then by some miracle squeak in that no football player wants that and right now 
we are kind of sliding our momentum, our trajectory, we're sliding and we need a momentous win to get us back to believing in ourselves. I think at the beginning of the year, we, every game, we took the field, we believed in ourselves. I think that confidence has kind of faded since Baltimore. Um, I don't think we believe that we could beat other teams. And I think it, it, and we're playing with just that lackadaisical, we'll just go through the motions and win a football game. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. You have to be concerted with your effort and focused and execute more than anything. And the last couple of weeks against KC, against the Texans, we have not been executing. So when you look at this, this game, Chargers are averaging 27.2 points on offense. They're allowing 27.4 points on defense. They're actually allowing more points on defense than they are scoring, which is why we're seeing them struggle the way that they are. But the Broncos, they're, they're not averaging all that many points. They, they're averaging 20 points per game. They're allowing 17. So you automatically right off the bat, you can tell that the Broncos defense is helping carry them along a lot of the way. I mean, only allowing 17 points on defense, it's huge. They're only allowing 345 yards total, less than 230 through the air, less than 116 on the ground. Chargers are, are getting 300 yards passing a game by Justin Herbert, and they're just getting uh, just over 100 yards rushing. It's not making a whole lot of sense. And I'm just I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared because we are so inconsistent. Yeah. From week to week to week, we play up and down to whoever we're playing every single week. And I'm, I'm concerned. I, I, I don't necessarily know if we're going to be able to pull this out. Not with how up and down we are from week to week to week to week. Well, I, I will say one thing that minus the week when we played Denver earlier in the season, whenever we played top ranked running backs, we usually have a really good performance from our offense. It has allowed us to kind of let the Joe Mixons, the Najee Harris, kind of had relatively quiet days. The Broncos are the only team in the NFL with two players that rank in the top 15 in total rushing yards. Williams at 10 and Gordon at 15. So hopefully, you know, that means something to this team. Maybe it, it'll tell them, hey, this is not just a run. This isn't the Houston Texan run offense. We might have to legit prepare. The Broncos are just a throwback team, right? Strong defense, run down your throat. They blew us out when they played us in the first week and only scored 28 points. In that whole game, they totaled 302 yards of offense. 66% of that production came from those two guys that we mentioned. So, I, I, and I, I, I understand, you know, Fangio probably leaned on his backs a lot in that game because if you remember, Bridgewater went down with an injury, I want to say, in like the second quarter. Force lock into playing time. So trying to make things easy for his young signal caller. They relied heavily on the run attack. I have to assume that's going to be the game plan again this week with Bridgewater out and Locke looking to get that start again. Why not lean on the most potent two-headed monster in the NFL right now? And I don't, I don't know, man. I just – I. Just... I feel so drained from this Houston game that I, I feel like I've lost hope a little bit, but yeah. I still think we are much, much better than the Broncos, at least offensively. And I think that you, the way that you beat this team is you have to get out to an early lead 
But mm-hmm. that's not going to be easy to do against that defensive front, against those ridiculous DBs that they have over there. It's it's not going to be an easy game to to come away with. Um, I don't know. I don't want to seem so down and out, but it's so hard to have any sort of hope when you yeah. just lost to the team that you did last week. Well, and given the well, – yeah. What really bums me is just the the reversed season that we had. Like, if we could switch our runs, if we began the year half and half, and then start and finished four and one with a chance to squeak into the playoffs, way better situation. We would all have been happy for that, but it's because we got the glimpse of what this team could be. The we can say it: Kansas City is a, a powerhouse, but they are nowhere near the team that has dominated the AFC for the last five years, they are on a downward trajectory. Like this was our, it seemed like this was going to be our chance. And in the NFL, you only get so many opportunities. I think that's why we're frustrated. It felt like we've kind of let it slip away. Season's not over. I'm still going to watch both these last two games very intently, but I, I agree with you. The momentum, this excitement that I felt for the beginning of the year really dissipated after that Houston loss. It took so much out of me as a fan. So I'm really looking forward to Derwin James making a return, bringing some of that energy back because the energy that I'm feeling is gone. And I need, I need some energy. I need, I need Derwin James back. I need Mike Williams back. I, we need to get back to full strength. uh, And we need to to start getting some momentum, bringing the energy up. I want to see players getting hyped on the sideline. Because yeah. if we continue to to just play flat and dead and not a whole lot to play for, it's 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 over. It it really is. And this is a good week to build some momentum. This isn't going to be an easy two game stretch. Uh, the Broncos play much better defensively than most teams in the NFL. The Raiders are very similar to the Chargers. They go hot and they go cold and they yeah. go hot and they go cold. I I feel like the team that comes out with the most energy. It's going to win this game. Well, you already talked I, about it. The running yeah. back situation. I, I feel like I know what they're going to do. Brandon Staley should know what, what his, you know, his former uh, head coach, you know, Brandon Staley um, uh, learned under Vic Fangio. I feel yeah. like he knows him very well. He's going to know what exactly Vic Fangio wants to do on the offensive side of the ball. This game is going to ultimately come down to whether or not the Chargers can stop the run. And the Broncos' offensive line is much healthier than it was when we played them the last time. That's true. I forgot they had some missing some bodies. But back to your point about energy, I think the good thing for the Chargers is that we're getting two of our emotional leaders back in DJ and Joey Bosa. But Derwin James in particular are secondary has just been atrocious since back in the Giants game where he got pulled up with that hamstring injury. Since then, Bolts have allowed 299 yards after the catch and have missed 13 tackles, no interceptions, and have allowed seven touchdowns. Like That's the Derwin James effect right there. No interceptions to seven touchdowns. Yes, please put DJ back in this lineup. Let the man make some plays. Uh, because his team needs a, a spark of energy somewhere, wherever we'll get it, we'll take they it. Need is the, their leader, their captain, the guy who's calling the, the shots on defense. I, I mean, he just brings so much energy, and he elevates the play of everybody around him. 
And with him out, you can totally tell how different this defense plays with him in the lineup versus without him in the lineup. And I think Austin Eckler in his interview made an interesting point where if you're just looking to replace production, that's a lot easier to do. You know, a hundred yard running back, have the backup, just get 75 yards. That's a lot easier to do than say insert backup, but also keep that production, but also be the uh, inspirational leader. That's a lot harder to do as a backup. You don't have that pull. You don't have that say people don't believe in you as much as Derwin James. So, um, and I think it goes back to them playing dead. There was no leading. There was no leaders out there. And you saw Derwin James on the sideline. He was present, but he wasn't present. Like he wasn't in, he wasn't excited to be out there. He wanted to, he wanted his helmet on. And I mean, uh, he's a leader. And I think the team took a, a lot of, you know, they took, they fed off his body language. And I think our, the product we put on the field Sunday showed. I'm looking forward to seeing how Brandon Staley reacts after after really tragedy happened last week, losing that big game. And it's funny, yeah. I already see Twitter, people are calling for his job, people are ta- calling for Tom Teleska's job. Everybody's already looking ahead toward the draft as if the season's over, but it's not. Over. No. You know? Yeah. But a lot of people are already looking at it like it's over. But this game here is really going to to tell everybody where where's the Chargers culture? Can you bounce back and you know, when, when your backs are up against the wall, when you're sitting outside the playoffs, how do you get your team to react? How do you get them to play? And can you bounce back from a really, really bad demoralizing loss and go up against, you know, the, the person who helped train you, Vic Fangio, who's also fighting for a playoff spot? Yeah, this how, isn't a meaningless how does this game. Team re- how, does this, how do you get your team to react after something like that happened. Well, yeah. And and then to piggyback off that, even if we can't squeak into the playoffs, even if we win these next two games, we're building momentum towards something else. You you always want to be building towards something else. Like even if the season's over, they don't just stop being a football team after the season. So you're always building towards something. There's still hope. So you can't give up. Um, I, I understand why you'd be more frustrated this week as opposed to last week, but you can't give up. You're still, you know, this is still our team. It is frustrating how, you know, things have transpired the last couple of weeks, but what, what are you going to do? You take care of what you can, win these last two games, and regardless of if you make the postseason or not, build some momentum towards next season. What is this team going to be? I, how I does like your it. team play? Yeah, no, I like I it. Know. And, I, you know, even if the Chargers – if they do lose next week, I'm just counting them out of the playoffs. Like they're they're out. I'd still be looking up forward to see how does your team close. How do you end the Same season? Thing. Same you know, thing. Like, you don't want to just yeah. How do I they agree. lose? Right. If they do lose, how do they lose? Because I think it matters. And everyone's just looking at the, the you know the final record at the end of the year, your AFC West standings. But I think so much more than that. How does your team play in a loss? How does your team play in a win? Are you building momentum for something after this season? Are you building momentum for the postseason? Because you have to start doing it now. Yeah. How does your team react after a demoralizing, embarrassing loss? And that's the ultimate headline I have this week is how are we going to come out of this week? How are we going to play a, a division rival? And do we have any real hope for the playoffs? Give me your score, final score predictions on this one. 
Well, if we're going to keep it positive, let's just go and I see a reverse kind of game from last week. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I'm kind of looking at like a 28-17 Charger victory. Looks a little closer on the scoreboard than it actually is because I want to be up two scores and just kind of give one out late in the fourth quarter. Get us uh, have DJ get a game ceiling interception or or Bosa getting a game ceiling strip sack. That's kind of my envision. Something big, something momentous to give us some energy back. We need it. I'm going to keep this game really close. I think it's going to be a very, very close game because I think both teams have a lot to play for. Both teams are, you know, the the Broncos' strength is their defense. The Chargers' strength is their offense. So you're going to see a a big battle there. I'm going to have a couple score changes, uh, lead changes into this game. I think it's going to be low scoring as well. I'm going to say 2017 Chargers win on a last second field goal to keep their playoff hopes alive. Last second uh, field goal. So we're going. So you're confident we're going to be kicking field goals in this game with with the with game a, on the line. Uh, you're going to go Viscano, Alex Case Kessman, or Viscano. Tristan Viscano. You're right, Tristan Viscano. Yeah, Tristan Viscano is going to redeem himself for the the late bad start. We still may get uh, Dustin Hopkins back. Uh, there's a good yeah. chance with the new new COVID rules. Five, five days is all you got to test for, um, five negative tests. Uh, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a battle. Yeah, I, think- I, I would really like to have a healthy kicker I could rely on. Um, since I, I saw an g- interesting stat on Hopkins, though, since, we, since being a Charger, I, I forget when he came, I think week seven, um, he's tied with Justin Tucker as the most accurate kickers in the NFL from that span. Positive I things. think he's missed a uh, uh, one, a extra point. I think, he's and I think like it's, two. I think he's missed an extra point and then a long field goal attempt. But I think that's it. He's only he's, had like five attempts all season with us. Well, <laughs> accuracy. He the kicks he is kicking, they're going in. So that's what I'm watching. Do they matter. They matter. We're he not, was we're not ranking the kicks week. he doesn't kick. It's three of three last week. Any closing remarks? I mean, I would love to have a little more energy next week, and that kind of all correlates with uh, what kind of performance we're going to get from the Chargers. You know, if and I, I don't even need them to win. I just want to to battle. I haven't seen them. I need them to win. We have to make playoffs. Like, I want to, to win, playoffs. but I want I want to win. I but I want to see the fight and the dog that I haven't seen since week six. Like I want my team back. I have they looked unrecognizable. Uh, since Baltimore, honestly. So, yeah, I want them to play. I, that's all I want. I want to see my Chargers play Charger football because I, I haven't seen it recently, and I miss it. I miss it. Do you? Don't you miss it? I do. I miss the hype. I miss the excitement that we had. We were early so excited. The These pods have been progressively less and less fun. I've been just anxious about talking about this game. Like I want to be excited. I feel I had the excitement with the Chiefs game. I feel I like we did. played the Chiefs extremely well. I did we too. had the energy, and then we laid an egg the week after, and it's just it just sucks because I, I I I need to feel excited and energetic, and I need to feel in the game. And uh, since the Chiefs game, which was super high energy, 
the, the rest of these games have been kind of quiet. Not, you know, I haven't had the big plays when I'm yelling and screaming at the TV. Yeah. Um, so I think this is an important game. I think the Raiders Definitely. is also an important game. I, I don't think I'd like to close it out any better than a win in Las Vegas to, to squeak into the playoffs. That would be squeak into the playoffs at the Raiders expense. Yes. Let's work. Let's do that. And it all starts with a win against the Broncos on Sunday. So that's so our let's prediction. Get that win. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, leave us a review. Give us five stars wherever you're listening. Uh, let's 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 meet on a better note next week after after a big win after a demoralizing loss. Let's let's have something fun to talk about next week. Thank you guys so That's much cool. for listening. Over now.